The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Oh, I know. Good morning, Rutherford County. You're hearing Larry Williams talking about flooding outside this morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. How are How you? things going? Oh, pretty good, other than the rain, yeah. At least it's not snow, you know. And we didn't get the ice part that uh, Kentucky's getting. That's so right, yeah. we made it pretty pretty good this morning. I was... Um, uh, I was upset because uh, all the water that I saw surrounding my house, and then I turned on uh, television and seeing what's going on in the Ukraine. So it yeah. didn't make my day uh, yeah. getting up yeah. this morning. Yeah. Can you imagine those poor people? And um, there, there, there's one big question when you see the Ukraine, uh, what's going on? Would Would Putin made that decision if Trump was president? Yeah. That's a big question. Yeah. Because he intimidated a lot of those people. And, yeah. But that's part of life. Uh, you were uh, working for MTSU just I recently. Mm-hmm. And what was the um, the point of you uh, getting with uh, the president of the university? And what were the guidelines that you were setting out for them? Well, I was called aviation safety officer. Yeah. Um, because the uh, department has grown so fast and large, and the airport also uh, uh, recommended, almost insisted that the uh, university get an aviation safety officer. Yeah. And what that is is a person who's trained and experienced in aviation safety, mm-hmm. and he reports directly to what's called the accountable executive. Accountable executive is defined in ICAO. ICAO is International Civil Aviation Organization uh, as a person who is over the safety program, and he reports to the accountable executive who has the uh, ability and to provide resources, both mm-hmm. uh, financial and human resources, and. Um, that's what my job is. I've done that in other places. A lot, of, most of the time, is part time or as a consultant. Mm-hmm. The the community here has had different views on uh, MTSU having all of its uh, uh, test pilots and things like that over here. Um, large group at one time. I think what over nine hundred uh, people that were learning how to fly in this area. Is that correct? I'm not sure the number right now. I think it's uh, I think it's uh, 700 flight students. Uh-huh. Now, some of those will fly pretty often. Some will fly three or four days a week. Yeah. 
they have 34 or 5 airplanes. They have 100 flight instructors. When I was out there, we had five airplanes and about 10 flight instructors, but that was 50 or 60 years ago. So, I forgot you actually went through the school over there. I did, yeah. Learned to fly. And there are a lot of great pilots that came out of there, and you're one of them. And uh, part of your credentials is that you worked with the FAA, and you worked a lot of accidents uh, over the years. And one I remember uh, quite, uh, uh, it's almost like it just happened in front of me, was the pilot that went down right off of the Salem Highway. I remember that. And that that, that was one of those situations that um, the poor guy, uh, it was just one of those unlucky things. Because I'm sure he was a great pilot at that oh, time. Yeah. And I'm like you, I can't remember his name, but I had flown with him. He was yeah. a flight instructor there in Smyrna. And uh, when we got there, when I got there, uh, a witness said there was smoke coming out of the airplane. So we had an in-flight fire, so I knew there was something that was unusual. Uh, we started looking at the airplane and, and the, the engine, and we found that the turbo had... Uh, been worked on recently they'd done some kind of inspection mm -hmm. and the nuts weren't tightened down enough and the turbo had backed off a little bit and all the hot gas came out yeah uh, witnesses had said they'd flown the airplane a couple of days earlier and there was a little uh, baggage compartment right behind the engine and before you get to the cabin mm -hmm. and it was basically designed to put golf clubs in and uh, someone said it was unusually hot in there and uh, that was been one of the things that should have looked at a lot closer probably why it was so hot and it was a large field he was landing in he, he made the right decision mm -hmm. the only problem was there was an oak tree yeah and uh, unfortunately he hit it yeah and he he probably couldn't see because all the smoke yeah a uh, passenger in the back opened the back door, was holding the back door open, and uh, the two in the front were killed. Uh, one in the back was injured pretty seriously. How many did you actually work in Rutherford County? Do you have a, a count know. on that? I don't know, several. Uh, seemed like uh, when there was one around here, I got the call because I was already here. Yeah. I know one out in Las Casas, one here, a couple around there around the airport. They're usually just incidents. They weren't accidents. You know? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times uh, I was fortunate enough to go out and watch you perform out there. <laughs> and, and you did such a great job. I, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, would you, uh, the, the, the Sully flight in New York, yeah, landed landed in the in the water in the river. Uh, give me a clue on what uh, happened at the time and how miraculous that flight was. Cause I think there were something like 155. Is that right? 155 passengers. Something like that. It was almost full. The airplanes. Almost yeah. Full. yeah, and every one of them survived, oh, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Well, he took off from LaGuardia, uh, he hit birds right after takeoff, mm -hmm. and I think it was something like seven or eight minutes later, he was in the water. You know? Yeah. Uh, the birds 
flamed the engines out. The co-pilot was flying. Sully took over then, as mm -hmm. procedure usually is. And the co-pilot tried to restart the engines, and they wouldn't start. And uh, he declared an emergency, and air traffic worked great with him. They told him where all the closest airports were, and uh, he was cleared to land at LaGuardia or Newark or whatever, and uh, even Teterboro, I think. And he said, uh, we're not going to make it. We're taking in the Hudson. Yeah. And uh, I saw that. Uh, he approached. He uh, Usually when you hit the water, if it's not just perfect, the airplane tumbles, comes apart. But he made a perfect water landing Yeah. and uh, had plenty of time to get out. He walked back. He put on his jacket, his coat and tie, and I think he had his hat on, and he walked back and forth a couple of times to make sure everybody was out of the airplane. And they were out there on the wing, and they were getting in the, the uh, life rafts and things of that nature. You know, I don't remember a lot of media coverage on that. Maybe there was, but uh, um, and I don't remember a whole lot of controversy. He was... Uh, held in very high esteem, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. not I, I, a lot of people would n probably not have made it, saving all of those yeah. lives. If he made a decision; he couldn't go back to the airport. He couldn't make that. He yeah, his al altitude and airspeed, and uh, being right over New York City, there's no other place to go. You know, yeah. they don't have any big fields out there. So he said, "I'm taking it in the Hudson." Did you Did you see the movie on it? I did. How would you grade the movie? It's pretty that? good. I, I think they uh, uh, expanded a few things. It wasn't quite true. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, It looks like he was coming under attack during a large a part of that movie. Now, was, was that accurate? Not really. There was some talk that uh, maybe he could have made it back to the airport. Uh -huh. But it's his decision. And I think they ran the... Uh, same scenario in a simulator, and he wouldn't have made it. He would have landed just short. So, how accurate are those simulators when uh, they they replay all of that happened? You can't tell you're not in the airplane. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's one of the things at the very end that they focused on was um, that once the the thing happened as far as the birds flying in and the the engines going out yeah he said uh it's a human factor and i think that was pretty good because humans yeah. themselves and you're under all that pressure and you have all those passengers in there your main focus is safety at that yeah. time yeah yeah mm -hmm. and, and um i um i love that movie i've seen it about eight or nine times have you now yeah <laughs> there's some that just grab a hold of you yeah. it, it, it's really amazing now uh back to the uh mtsu uh, the decision that has been made to go to bedford county it's a shebbable airport uh give me kind of the um are both the areas uh, okay with uh, with Murfreesboro Airport not being utilized by MTSU anymore as as they get everything set up and and uh, going to Bedford County is that a win-win situation for I, I both so. places? I think so. Uh, 
Shelbyville is farther from civilization. Yeah. Yeah. It's about five or six miles from downtown Shelbyville. And Shelbyville, of course, is not growing anywhere near as fast as Murfreesboro has. Yeah. And, um, you know, when they built this airport back in 52, it was way out in the middle of nowhere. Gosh, that's, that doesn't seem possible. Yeah, it doesn't. No. I was telling Chad, who runs the airport, I said, you know, when I first started flying out here, that was a two-lane road, and the speed limit was 65. And he kind of looked at me and said, yeah, it was 65. And the first red light, I believe, was uh, I believe it was down around Broad Street. It might have been one at East Main, and not East Clark and Memorial, but there's just... You've you know, got a good memory. I think that's about right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, and the Shelbyville Airport is a lot bigger. They have a lot more uh, acreage. It's not landlocked. And there's a lot of farmland around there that can be purchased for expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, uh, a lot longer runway. I think it's 5,500 feet. This it's one's 4,750. Yeah. Uh, it's nowhere near as busy except during uh, walking horse week. And uh, I never thought about that. I bet you have people fly in for a while. Oh, yeah. The ramp is full and, yeah, airplanes everywhere. I never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. So with them growing uh, like we know they will and um, MTSU focusing on that, is, is that going to put any uh, financial strain on Shebevoort uh, or Bedford County, however they've got it set up over there, to take in those pilots, and uh, what will it mean for Murfreesboro as they leave here, which well, is right across the street from Adams yeah. Place? Well, um, I don't think it'll put a strain on them. No, no. Uh, Actually, the, it, 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 I think it's been coming, hasn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, with with 35 airplanes and I think we have 10 ordered, so 45 airplanes, uh, it'll take up more space. But there's space down there to build, mm-hmm. and I think the uh, college already has some acreage already either purchased or leased. I'm not sure which to build hangars and and classroom buildings. And the long range plan is to have the entire department down there. In uh, in Bedford County at their yeah, airport. At the airport. Wow. Which is uh, done at other places where the airport is a few miles away from the campus. Mm-hmm. So they just move everything out there. Uh, some colleges are fortunate to either have all their facilities at the airport, like Auburn. I worked there for a while. They own the airport, so they kind of control what's going to be there. And they have... You know, the classroom is right there, and you walk out on the ramp and get in the airplane and fly around. Uh, uh, I think, uh, I know Amber Riddle is the same way. Yeah, the dorm room is within walking distance of the airplane, so they're lucky to have that. But here we just, we don't have that space. We're landlocked, and and there's just no more space to... Uh, no, there's no way to even build anything like that anymore. There, there's a waiting list just to tie down airplanes out here. And, of course, there's a waiting list for... T- Hangers is for almost all Mm -hmm. airports around. For for whatever reason, has 
I'm sure MTSU owns those planes that you were talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that, that, that's quite a financial hunk coming out of their budget, I would think. Yeah. Uh, there's millions of dollars worth of airplanes, yeah. It, but that seems to be um, one of the better programs that you can have at your university now because there's so many uh, people wanting to get into the the flight business, whether yeah. it they would be going into the military or where they'd be going to the. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know it, it varies. When I first started flying in '64, '65, the airlines were hiring like crazy, and then they up up and down. Then they laid off. Uh, friends of mine got on with air air. Airlines like TWA, mm -hmm. they got laid off two or three times before they, before TWA went out of business. Even back then, I yeah. mean, that's unbelievable. And uh, United back then, if you had your private pilot license, you'd pass all the interviews and tests and all. They would give you a, a number basically when you got your commercial and instrument, that they would hire you. Mm -hmm. Now United is doing that now. They have their own flight school out in. Uh, Arizona. It's called Aviate. Uh, you learn to fly there, and uh, when you get uh, 1,500 hours, which is required unless you go through a collegiate program in order to be the co-pilot on an air carrier, mm -hmm. when you get 1,500 hours, they give you a job. And so that's how sh the shortage is for pilots. Uh, Kids out here with a thousand hours because they go through a collegiate program, you can get hired with a thousand hours. As soon as they get some of them, 970 hours because you get 30 hours in training. So they get hired with just 970 hours of flying time. Uh, years ago, it was two or three thousand hours. They were wanted military time, they wanted jet time, but now it's just a thousand hours. Uh, but what if you're a military pilot and, and you're a jet pilot? Let oh, yeah. Say. A lot of them, it used to be uh, they, would, uh, they wouldn't hire anyone over about 28 or 29. Now they're hiring retired military pilots in their 40s and 50s. I was at Atlas Air about a year or two ago, and I was doing an audit, and the assistant chief pilot said, I'm going to be a little late in the morning. I'm interviewing four people. I won't be here at about 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Four pilots. Well, he came in about 8.30. I said, what happened to the interview? He said, well, two people didn't show up. One guy canceled, and we hired the other guy. <laughs> so they're hiring like crazy. And uh, uh, this guy didn't have any jet time. He had some turboprop time. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, about two years ago. And they also told me they hired a guy... He was 63. Oh, my. You have to retire on your 65th birthday. He said, well, we got him online and had him for a little over a year. He said, we, we needed him. And uh, by the time he got checked out and uh, flew for about a year, he had to retire again. Why would they set up a, a, an age limit, a cap on how long you can fly and your age? It used to be years ago there wasn't an age limit. And what I'm told is the airlines went to the FAA and said, we're, we're paying these uh, senior captains a lot of money, and we need to get them to retire earlier. So they made age 60 rule. So it's a cost factor for them. It was back then. And uh, then about 10 or 12 years ago, 
uh, maybe 15 years ago, they ex raised the age limit to 65. And there's some talk, uh, well, there's some uh, push being made to raise it another year or two, especially right now, as long as you can pass the fiscal. You know, I had uh, Hook Gibson on a few years ago. You you know Hook. I know Hook. He's he's a, he's a real Hook too. He, I mean. <laughs> yeah, and he's younger than me by a couple of months. You know. You're kidding. No, I know. It doesn't look that way, does it? <laughs> no. Well, well, bless his heart. He, he he would talk. He last I heard, he was still doing test flights. Yeah. Which, which is not uh, it's not the safest thing in the world to do. <laughs> you've got to you've got to have special skills to be yeah, doing that yeah well he's top gun you know he went through yeah the top yeah gun yeah, yeah. And, and, and i think that uh, so he's more than that age that you were uh that you are he got on with uh southwest he was in his 50s and he had yeah. to retire when he was 60 back then he missed the they raised the 65 rule about six or eight months i think after he retired yeah it, it, the flight industry to me is very complicated but and the people who fly i think i've never met one yet even uh, uh our great rear admiral who lives up in the in the smyrna area just think the world of him but uh, and he was part of top gun uh, back uh -huh. back in uh the old days and I, I try to be honest with all of you guys including you you're crazy. You're out of your mind. <laughs> it's the safest mode, one of the safest modes of transportation. We've talked about that a That's little right. bit earlier. The most dangerous part of my day-to-day -day would be driving across the street to go to the airport. <laughs> and I will agree with you That's on right. that. I was talking to my brother, Mike. We're going to take a break in a minute. but uh, And uh, he was out driving, heading, heading back home. Of course, we've all been bothered by this little amount of rain that's come out in the last few days and he started screaming he said a few words he shouldn't said and basically somebody pulled right out in front of him yeah that and that the people t don't know how to drive anymore it's amazing well it's pretty easy to get a driver's license you know you basically got to drive around the block without having a wreck i think that's what it was when i got mine <laughs> but i hope they don't put an age limit on us like they do in the air yeah all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with larry williams from nhc's adams place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the truman show on news radio wgns on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And I would highly recommend Adams Place. It's a place to enjoy life. It's comfortable. The settings are homelike and not sterile. Adams Place is a place they're looking out for you. You feel at home. and. I'm very fortunate there's a lot of people here I already knew. To get back to the food, I want to say one thing. The chef does a fabulous job here. I'm Larry Castelli. You know, I would highly recommend Adam's Place. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. 
We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Take a moment and rate your lifestyle on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 is a life that's nothing like the life you were promised after getting good grades, a college degree, and a good job in corporate America. 10 is the life of your dreams. If you answered anything less than a 10, tune into the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell's self-made millionaire and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited will show you how to live the life of your dreams and pay for it with passive income. The Dell Walmsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. Guys, there's a lot of people talking about testosterone these days, but do your homework and be sure you go to a provider that you can trust. I recommend Low T Center. There are many reasons why. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness. They check all your levels, not just testosterone. They determine the cause of any symptoms you're having and whether or not you're a candidate to low T or something else like thyroid or even sleep apnea. Their annual health assessment is typically completely covered by most health insurance and is thorough, checking everything from PSA, which is your prostate levels, thyroid, liver, kidney functions, cholesterol, glucose, and more. Low T Center has affordable and convenient options for treatment, including monitored self-inject treatment that ships to your home. Make your health a priority this year and schedule your annual health assessment today. It's covered by most health insurance or less than $100 cash pay. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment today. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The Red Bull Paper Wings event is making a return visit to Murfreesboro next week, seeking MTSU students wanting to compete in a local qualifying event. Qualifier defined winners with the most airtime with the paper airplane and the distance the plane travels takes place starting at 4 p.m. Wednesday, March 3rd in the Donald McDonald hangar of the MTSU Flight Operations Center at Murfreesboro Airport. The event last held and PSU in 2019. A cross-section of citizens and local property owners attended a Wednesday evening presentation of Murfreesboro's future land use map. The event was held between 5 and 7 p.m. and had a come-and-go format. City Planning Director Greg McKnight tells News Radio WGNS. Coming up on March the 16th, there will be a planning commission meeting. During the planning commission meeting, there will be a public hearing for the public to come back out, be able to share with the planning commission some thoughts and suggestions about the future land use map update. And then planning commission will rule for or against the proposed future land use map update. A tentative date of March 24th, it'll go before council, and their council will either confirm, acknowledge the actual future land use map update. Reagan-Smith Associates' Kevin Gunther indicated that development would be encouraged in the brightly color-coded area of the map because those parcels already have police and fire protection, city water and sewer service, parks and other amenities. And if you think you're seeing a lot of growth in Rutherford County, you're right. Rutherford County currently has a population count of 347,561 residents, and by the end of this year, that number will be 355,199. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. In other news stories, be extra cautious throughout the morning with closed roadways due to high water all throughout Rutherford County. And the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office has released a number of roads, or released rather 
a list of a number of roads that are having flooding issues. Those roads include Stones River Slab, the County Farm Road Slab, Elam Mill Slab, the Christiana Fosterville Road Slab at Highway 269 also flooded, Gucci Ford Road Slab, that too is flooded. We have a photo of that on our website, WGNSRadio.com. Also flooding over Short Creek Road, Powell's Chapel Road at the Slab, the 5500 block of Seminary Road near Sagefield, Sulphur Springs Road at Shacklett Road, Vaught Road at the Slab as well. Again, all of those roads continue to be closed due to flooding. Roads also in the area with high water, some of which are passable and some of which may not be passable, include Sulphur Springs Road at Florence Road, Sulphur Springs Road at Buckeye Valley Road, Armstrong Valley Road, Armstrong Valley at Veterans Parkway is flooded, Armstrong Valley at Thompson Road also flooded. Seminary Road at Neal Lane, Rock Springs Road, Midland Road, Loverin Road all flooded this morning. Cherry Lane at Lebanon Highway also flooded. Sulphur Springs Road at I-840, and that is in the Nices Mill area going towards Buckeye Valley Road. Again, a number of roads are closed and also flooded due to high water all throughout the morning from heavy rainfall last night into this morning. So make sure that you use caution all throughout the day when driving around Rutherford County due to high water. Time right now, 9.37. That's a look at your local news. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. Murfreesboro Funeral Home and Cremation Services. She wrote this letter and gave it to my dad to have the minister to read at the funeral. It was very healing for the kids, even for the grandkids. Let the Murfreesboro Funeral Home help your family when experiencing loss of a loved one. It's a good idea. Start thinking ahead of time, even if you're in your 20s or 30s, because you never know. Murfreesboro Funeral Home, off of South Church Street on Innsbruck Boulevard. News time Visit right MurfreesboroFuneralHome.com. News time right now, 9.38. You're tuned in to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Now a quick check on that forecast. Then after that, we'll head back to Truman Jones, who is live at Adams Place. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms here for this afternoon with cloudy sky conditions high into the upper 50s and winds out of the south between 5 and 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 36. Premier 6 Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier 6 on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Larry Williams, my favorite expert on uh, (laughs) on the airways. And uh, actually, we're on the airway right now. But um, I I, I, uh, am surprised at the least amount of uh, attention 
that we're showing here in Murfreesboro because it's, it's been kind of 50-50 from all the people that I've talked to over the years about uh, MTSU having all the test pilots and things like that uh, uh, or going to school to be a pilot. And uh, it's... it's uh, I don't understand why there's not more attention. I guess that's what I'm trying to think of because uh, you, you said earlier it, it's pretty much 50-50 on uh, the people that are actually gaining on, on this particular situation with MTSU going into Bedford County and uh, Murfreesboro Airport losing that. and. I can understand it being with you all these years and seeing all the changes and things. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, because you, you've always told me flying is, is safer than driving on, uh, on the streets. But it, it's, it's, it's getting kind of crowded up in the air, you might well, say. Well, it's a lot safer, especially today, <laughs> the well, weather out there. Yeah, but... but it is getting crowded. Is there anything that needs to be done as far as air traffic controllers, uh, the people that you've got the Nashville Airport, you've got the Smyrna Airport, Murfreesboro, and 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 really uh, Bedford County has gained in air traffic. How do we manage that? I mean, we can't set up red lights or green lights or anything like that. But but there has to be information that's passed on. Well, it depends on where you are. As you get closer to Nashville, everything's under control, uh, air traffic control. Yeah. Uh, out here, you can take off without a radio. There's some, a lot of airplanes out here with no radio, no electrical system. Wow. And you don't have to talk to anybody, and you can fly wherever you want to go. Uh, as long as you don't go, in, go into certain uh, airspace, like uh, an airport with a control tower, or Nashville, yeah. even Smyrna. And uh, <clears throat> nowadays, there's a lot more uh, electronic equipment. Mm -hmm. In the airplane, uh, you can see all the airplanes around you as long as they have the same equipment. Uh, in other words, if they have an electrical system. Yeah. And uh, uh, it even shows the end number and the altitude and all that. Um, so you at least know where most of the traffic is around you, unless mm -hmm. there's an airplane without... Uh, electrical system. It doesn't have a transponder. It doesn't have what's called ADSB, <coughs> which tells the other people where you are and and uh, is how that safe? Shouldn't they have to have that in their aircraft? Well, because uh, they need to be safe for themselves and safe for the others that are in the air. Uh, it would be safer, yeah. but. If you don't have an electrical system, you don't have a radio, you don't have a transponder, and it's not required. Uh, Who makes those uh, rules up for that? Well, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get going, Larry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, this is uh, the freest country in the world as far as uh, aviation. Most countries, you can't fly at night unless you have an instrument ready. You can't just go out and fly around. You have to file a flight plan. You don't have to do that here. Yeah, uh, a lot of countries you can't even learn to fly there. It's just not allowed. You have to go somewhere else. When you when you leave and and go up in, into the air, um, it, it seems like that 
how, how do you notify anybody? Do you have a flight plan at all if you don't have those uh, you, instruments? You, you don't have to. And if you're flying what's called visual flight rules, VFR, uh -huh. you don't have to. And you don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah. It's encouraged to what we call flight following. You call air traffic control, and if they're not too busy, they will give you traffic and and uh, things of that nature. If they're too yeah. busy, they just say unable and good luck. Uh, see and be seen, and that's why you have strobe lights. They're required. If you have an electrical system, you have to have strobe lights that have to be on, flashing even in the daytime. Um, and it's real easy not to see an airplane, especially like a white airplane when it's when overcast, it's hard to see. It's easier to see them at night because you have lights, lights flashing. What if they're having some type of uh, mechanical problems and you're, they're, you're flying over a, a dense populated area like Murfreesboro is mm -hmm. now and nobody knows what in the heck is going on well, with you and you can't make uh, proper uh, 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 maybe giving it some type of guidance on what's going to happen or the people that are around it that's living in that particular neighborhood. Well, if you have a radio, you can get on the radio and call air traffic, declare an emergency, you, you, you transponder, which... But, you, but a lot of them don't have radios. As you that's know. right. You, you'll never know. <laughs> you know? I th Larry, I think you need to get going on that. <laughs> I, I used to uh, live here in, uh, in Murfreesboro, and uh, I would see them. I was in the pathway of each plane as it would uh, go and land, and I never felt worried about it whatsoever. Oh, that's because, right, yeah. You used to live over there right to the end of the runway, didn't you? Right yeah. Off of, yeah. 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 And, and uh, I had a, a swimming pool, and I would lay uh, out on some kind of little – a little raft or what it was in my swimming pool <laughs> and i would lay there and watch them go over and, and yeah. i was fascinated by it i've always been fascinated by people who, who want to spend a lot of their time in the air <laughs> well see when they were landing when they went over your house even if the engine quit they had it made because they glide toward the airport now the other direction uh that's the worst time uh for an aircraft engine to quit is on takeoff and it's usually at the first power reduction so we teach and train make sure you have enough altitude before you make that first power reduction to get back to the airport or get to a landing area i thought it would be harder to land than it would be to take off uh, well if, if you're on an aircraft carrier that would be pretty hard to yeah land. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like landing on a postage stamp, that's right yeah you, you might say yeah how, how many uh I wonder how many of your pilots that you've been uh, had a relationship all these years that actually flew on an aircraft carrier. I only know one of two, one or well, a couple of them. Yeah, they went went to, to the Navy and they got carrier. I think Admiral qualified. Admiral Taylor was on oh, yeah. one at one time. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. that's right. And I guess who Gibson was. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he was. If you're a Navy pilot, you're going to be landing on an air carrier somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, when uh, I was younger, and you too, you probably remember it. There was a uh, at night before they played the uh, Star Spangled Banner, they would play. Uh, they would quote that um, 
um, poem that was written by a Canadian uh, yeah. pilot, I believe. I'm pretty sure he was a Canadian pilot. Yeah. High flight. High flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would stay up late just to watch Me it. too. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? Yeah. And then you ended up going crazy and, and flying, and, and I stayed on the ground. No, I guess I, being a trooper, paratrooper, I guess I was. Yeah, you just They always down. told me I was crazy. I yeah. mean, the pilots were, and yeah. and and they told me they thought I was crazy. I know they were crazy, the, the pilots and all of that. It was, it was a, life is great, isn't it? And yeah. everybody needs to take adventures at some time in their I life. I guess everybody and, needs to jump out of an airplane at one time or another. Yeah, they, they, they need to. But you yourself, you've lived that pretty yeah. much, uh, yeah. uh, what, 70, 80% of your life. Yeah, since I was 17 or 18, yeah. I started flying 17. What uh, made you uh, take that decision? Well, I thought about it when I was in high school, and my parents said, you're not going to go out there and learn to fly. It's too dangerous wait till you turn 18 and uh, a buddy of mine and I were in uh, Daytona about a week right after I graduated from high school we did the Daytona trip and <clears throat> the whole time we were there we saw these airplanes flying up and down the beach towing banners mm -hmm. and the last day I was there we were talking about having to load up and go back home and go to work or go to school or whatever I said, you know, that would be the best job in the world, towing banners up and down the Daytona Beach. And he said, you know, I was thinking about taking flying lessons. I said, I was too. And we came out here the next day and talked to Millionaire, and he oh, signed us. I, I remember him. Yeah. Bless your heart. And he was a great guy. And he signed us up to, uh, he explained that we were just thinking about maybe soloing, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he said, well, you need to get your flight instructor certificate. And that cost a lot of money, $3,110. Now it's about sixty or 70000 I think, or maybe more. Ooh. He said, but when you get your flight instructor ticket, I'll hire you, uh, and you'll be a flight instructor. And I start out at $3 an hour, and after you get 500 hours, I'll give you $4 an hour. And we have one guy here that's been here so long, he gets $5 an hour. And I said, wait a minute now, you you learn to fly here, and then you teach other people how to fly, and you log flying time while you're doing that, and you get paid for it. And he said, yeah. So that's when we signed up. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of money to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth it. Bless your heart. And, and But the thing that's always fascinated me about you, Larry, is You've gone in, in, into the FAA and learning everything there is to know about an aircraft and the safety of the aircraft and the ability to each pilot that you have to investigate over yeah, in, yeah. in those things. Um, have you always felt comfortable when you've worked, investigated those particular accidents? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I felt comfortable in giving check rides. Uh, sometimes you're kind of on the edge there, uh, mm -hmm. but you are uh, usually in a, the right seat where you can take over. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're in the back seat because it's a two-pilot airplane and you want to really have a, a, a crew concept where the, the guy sitting in the right seat can't be giving the check ride to. Yeah, uh, but the easiest part is doing the check rides in the simulator, so you don't have to worry about that. You know, it, it won't crash. 
Well, it will crash, but it's not going to hurt anybody. Well, well, when we have these air shows here, and we've had the, the, the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds uh, over the years, did did you go out when uh, Captain uh, Coose was, uh, uh, unfortunately, he had some uh, problems uh, when he was flying uh, here, and I think it was uh, some type of uh, error in the plane. I don't know exactly what it was. But uh, uh, did you have the opportunity, or did they ask you to come out during that time, or does the military do that? Military anything? does that, yes. If the civilians have nothing to do with it. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that because you'll hear them saying the FAA's on the way. It's the military. And I was in my office there in Nashville, and uh, uh, the guy took off and uh, pulled the he was kind of showing off, so he pulled, uh, I forgot what kind of jet it was, mm -hmm. and he went straight up, went into an overcast and came out and crashed. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't see it, but I saw the smoke. Yeah. And, uh, whenever that was, that was back in the 90s, I guess. Yeah. And, of course, everybody said, well, when's the FAA coming? We're not coming. That's the military, so. Well, um, is teaching the pilots like him what he did was miraculous uh saving so many people because he wanted to make sure that he didn't go into a populated area yeah yeah and is is that one thing that they teach the pilots as they're learning they don't really teach that type of maneuver they teach other things but they don't teach a uh, double engine failure and land in the water somewhere yeah yeah we do teach that it's almost impossible to turn around and land uh, taking off because unless you have a lot more altitude. So a lot of people call it the impossible turn. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what happens is the engine quits not too long after takeoff, and you yeah. try to turn back around to get to the airport, and you get too slow, and you stall out and spin in. Yeah. The air traffic controllers, That that's a that's – a, a job that has a lot of stress in it. A lot of stress. And, uh, and I can't even imagine doing that because uh, I know that w the pilot, he's, he uh, has a, a lot of, uh, uh, he has to, to believe in that air traffic controller when something happens that he knows is going to be a very difficult decision to make especially when you have a lot of passengers in yeah. that plane. And, yeah. and uh, I think uh, the um, stewardess, I don't know if they call them stewardess anymore or not. Flight attendants. Yeah, when changing the names always gets me. <laughs> but they're probably some of the most well-trained people in the world. Everybody that's on, on that plane that works for the airline is thoroughly uh, – uh, trained for yeah. any type of emergency. A lot of people don't realize how much training the flight attendants get. They uh, they get first aid, CPR. Uh, they have AEDs on the airplanes now. Uh, they they're taught how to uh, use uh, uh, how to uh, use tie wraps to uh, to uh, get a. Uh, passion in this unruly how to how to get him down and, and tie him up basically it's a shame they have to do that but they do that 
And they they taught them how to emergency evacuations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's every year they actually jump out of an airplane where it's, it's a mock-up and slide down the raft and they get in the water and get get the raft. The raft disconnects from the airplane and then you, you get in the raft. I mean, the slide does. And they do that every year. They're under a microscope when yeah. something happens. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I find that with the media the way it is today, you never know which direction they're going to go with with how they perform during all that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, even the pilots, uh, I presume most of their conversation that's going on, is, is it just under emergency situations or is it the entire flight that uh, their conversation well, they'll call up to the cockpit, you know, for whatever reason, unless they're in what they call a sterile cockpit, which means they're below 10,000 feet and uh, making an approach and things of that nature, unless it's an emergency. And the same way, the other way around, the pilots will call back to the flight attendants. It's kind of like uh, law enforcement officers. You want that, you want to be seen because it's a way of protecting yourself from anything that happens, especially in today's world. Yeah, and everything's recorded now. The cockpit voice recorder and uh, flight data recorder. And uh, so if Is an accident... How, how, how do a lot of those recorders make it through some of these terrible accidents? Well, they're designed to do that, and most of the time they do that. Uh, in the old days, it was a wire recorder it recorded on a piece of wire mm -hmm. now it's all electronic and it records the flight data recorder records there's hundreds of different parameters yeah. it used to be like maybe eight or ten and the cockpit voice recorder records the cockpit plus all the uh, radio communications yeah now what if you were on a plane uh, on one of the major airline planes and something happened uh, with with the aircraft, and it was obvious that they were going to have a hard time uh, landing wherever, and the pilots, uh, they become uh, pretty much uh, unable to do anything up in, in the cockpit, and uh, a lady would come out, one of the stewardess or, or whatever, and, and pull a little... Uh, thing for your uh, safety uh, and uh, a little duck comes out and they're looking for a pilot uh, and would you hold your hands up uh, yeah yeah sure so you wouldn't drink the water and it all go in your ear or anything like that <laughs> no. You're, you 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 yeah. how comfortable would you feel taking that plane down because you know everything there is to know about flying and and uh, what all the uh, circumstances are. Uh, how would you do Well, you have to do what you got to do, you know, if, if that does happen. And uh, usually there's probably an airline pilot on board because they fly back and forth to their but one of But one of them could have eaten the bad chicken That's right, and yeah. the other one if I was the last the one, steak I, or whatever. I would, uh, I'd give it a try. Uh, and they would... And that has happened where even non-pilots get talked down and, and uh, make a successful landing. 
And, so uh, somebody like me that has no experience whatsoever. It's possible. Cockpit. Yeah. If you got a good instructor talking to you, said do this and do that, and, and you could do that. Yeah. If, if you were, uh, if some, if they needed a, an emergency situation with an air traffic controller, and there was nobody able to do the job at the time. Yeah. Yeah. How comfortable would you feel doing it? I'd be okay. I think you would do a great job. I believe you can handle each second as that plane heads for a safe yeah. area. I mean, they they all fly a little different, but basically, you know, it it uh, you push forward, it goes down. You pull back, it goes up, and you you uh, bank the airplane and with the uh, and then you turn it with the rudders and have to have a certain speeds and uh, if someone would tell me exactly what speed to put it on and what kind of and, and they can talk you down for miles out with a with a slow descent things mm -hmm. of that nature do you actually have that feel about you uh when you're going to land one of those big aircraft yeah yeah to me when you see it done it looks easy uh, because you you have that feel of everything that's happening, and um, of course you you put the the, the uh, wheels down and everything. But do you always feel comfortable when you land? And it has to be. Does the tail have to be up? <laughs> or the tail have to be down. You, you have to raise the nose up. You don't want to hit on the nose wheel. And uh, basically, you just get taught on what kind of airspeed to approach and when to pull the power back. Uh, in simulators, uh, especially nowadays, they have uh, uh, zero, zero landings. And it tells you when you get to 100 feet and someone says 50 feet, 40, 30. And I have a video. This was in Bahrain, so it has an English accent. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he gets down to 20, he says, retard, retard, you pull the power back. And you, you land in zero, zero, and you pull the power back. About the time you pull the power back, you hit the ground. And I, I was using my iPhone, and when when it hit, I dropped my iPhone <laughs> because it does hit kind of hard. <laughs> but but uh, that's how it works nowadays. What if you have almost an impossible situation and you're trying to talk to the passengers? Or do you allow the, that to be done by the stewardesses? No, they, they'll do it. Yeah, the the uh, the flight attendants, uh, like I said, a lot of people don't realize how much training they have and what they can do, and mm -hmm. uh, and not just training, but read current training every year. Uh, I've got some videos and uh, and pictures of what we call a emergency evacuation where they have a simulator it's, it's an airplane mm -hmm. uh, the uh, part where all the passengers are and they what we call pop the chutes where the slides pop out and they go down the chutes they disconnect I'd like to watch that yeah in, in that Sully movie yeah that was amazing I think it was one of the more miracle maybe the most miracle uh, landing that I've ever uh, yeah it, it was Made a movie about it. <laughs> in a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed in the book, uh, Sully and his uh, his co-pilot 
had uh, something in the book. I think they were co-authors of that particular movie. I think so, yeah. Movie yeah. In, the, in the book. And uh, I was uh, thoroughly convinced by watching the movie itself that they were out to get Sully by the way the movie was going at the time. Yeah, because it seemed that way. He, yeah. he, he was uh, uh, afraid that... Um, it was going to completely ruin him, his family, and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But but basically, I never could. I really was a little angry when I left the movie because I thought that uh, maybe the uh, people who owned the airlines were trying to save themselves and, oh, and yeah. whatever. And that that doesn't all. That's really not part of of, of the investigation, is it? to save the airline and put the pilot uh, in their sights or whatever. Yeah. That, that's not really what goes through the FAA, is it? No. Mm -mm. No. And then, like I said, that was a little uh, exaggerated in the movie. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't think the movies should have that kind of uh, freedom <laughs> to make people look bad or corporations look bad or yeah. whatever like that uh, uh, we we should take it with a grain of salt when That's we're right. watching a, a movie and make sure that you've got because uh, they uh, always say this is based on true fact they don't say it's all true you know? yeah have you ever gone to a flight scene that was a bad one and it 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 bothered you to see all of that and you may kind of have oh a, yeah yeah uh, uh, your stomach is turning over yeah. or whatever. Especially when it was just a pilot air, you know, flying in bad weather. Yeah. It used to be a, uh, it's a lot less now, but back when airplanes didn't have the equipment that it has now and when radar wasn't as good as it is now, people would scud run, which means they fly right underneath the clouds. And a lot of times up around Crossville, they fly back from Florida going up north. Yeah. And they come up Sequatchie Valley. And they would hit Hinch Mountain. Mm. One reason was <clears throat> the weather for Crossville is at the Crossville Airport. And they would check the weather at the Crossville Airport. And they'd have like a thousand foot ceiling. Mm -hmm. But the radio, radio uh, the, it's called the VOR, very high frequency armament range. That's the, av the navigation facility they would be tracking to mm -hmm. is on top of Hinch Mountain. Mm -hmm. And back then it was called Crossville VOR, and that's over a thousand feet higher. And so they thought they had it made, and they tracked towards that, that facility. And they would several accidents I worked was within just a couple hundred feet of that facility. Yeah. <laughs> so we changed the name years ago to Hinch Mountain. And for a while there, there were no accidents for a while. Yeah. For several years, and they haven't been lately because more pilots get instrument ratings and fly instrument that way and it's just a, a better weather reporting uh, uh, used to be just uh, not very many airports had official weather reporting now it's everywhere it's called automated weather observation system mm -hmm. any kind of little airport you can either get it on the <coughs> radio or you can call them up on the, on the telephone to see what the actual weather is you know, uh, I work. I was. I. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. It was. A, it was going towards Smyrna. I was patrolling one night. And I got a call that 
an aircraft possibly had gone down. And uh, they wanted me to go over there and see if I could locate so somebody like you could come out. And and uh, it was it bothered me a whole lot because as I got over there, it was obvious the, the pilot was trying to find a place to land, and there was no place over there. And he hit either a guide wire or electrical. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. But as I got to the plane, the plane was on fire. And the pilot had tried to get out, and uh, it got him. I mean, it, it overcame him. And, and uh, just to look at that, it, it, it literally yeah. made me sick to my stomach because he, he was partially out and partially still in the cockpit. Now, it, you may have worked that one, but that's been a long, long time ago. That would probably be in the, um, maybe in the mid seventies, early seventies, or something oh, really? like that. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, where was it? What what road was it on? Or do you remember? I can't remember because back then you had those little old country roads that were all over the place. Yeah, and and it was. Um, there was no houses. Uh, it was just pretty much in the field. And it was at night? It was at night. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why I don't encourage flying single-edge airplanes at night. That's why I don't understand why they they don't have safer uh, situations where they have to have all that equipment in there, it, well, especially in this day and time. The likelihood of that engine quitting is very slim, but it does happen. And I would rather be in the daytime where I could see, try to find an emergency landing yeah. spot somewhere. Yeah. Would many of the aircraft that's uh, over here across the street at the airport, do most of them have uh, all, all the uh, uh, equipment that they need? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's designed that way because we're teaching pilots uh, that are going to be airline pilots. So they have the same equipment, just as good or better than some airlines, yeah. all the avionics. And, uh, and uh, yeah. How many private uh, uh, places do we have in Rutherford County where people own their own planes and uh, um, they are able to operate whatever equipment they want? Uh, uh, you mean private landing strips? Oh, there's several. Yeah. There's yeah. several. There's a. I'm surprised when you ride around in the county and you look uh, for those particular uh, landing yeah. spots. Uh, I was surprised how many we do have. Yeah, there's, I can think of three or four, and, and then there's one just uh, in Wilson County, just over the county line, that has about eight or ten houses on it. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them have maybe just one house or two or three. Yeah, uh, one out near Buchanan, I think, is three owners in that one. And uh, Donald McDonald, no Donald, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then one out in Buchanan is Billy Cox and uh, Gerald Kaiser and one other person. And uh, this one in what's called Stones River, which is out off of uh, uh, Old Jefferson Pike. Mm -hmm. I think it's two owners there. And there's one out around Christiana somewhere. I'm not sure who owns that one. But we don't really have a section. Like when you go in Florida, you go in Texas, There's there are neighborhoods where people have their own landing area. 
yeah. and they can they can take it up to their uh, airplane yeah. garage and yeah. go in there. That's and, this one out here in Fall Creek. I think eight or ten owners. Now I'm working with a, a client out in Arizona, uh -huh. and he's building. He's already got the landing strip built, and he's selling forty lots uh -huh. uh, around it. Wow! Not Arizona, Utah. There's one in uh, Daytona called Spruce Creek. Mm -hmm. It has a couple hundred lots of uh, houses. And uh, you can taxi right up to your hangar. That's pretty neat to live in a neighborhood where everybody has something that they share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and no one in on those uh, places complained about the airplane noise. <laughs> Unless they're coming down and the engine's not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, our old buddy, Steve... <laughs> He tried to get me to go up. You remember when he had the helicopter? And you wouldn't go. I would not go, and and I, and uh, I was amazed at he would say a helicopter is safer to travel in than a than a regular uh, a plane that's that's got wings and all that stuff. Um, was he telling me the truth? Yeah. Or, yeah. Listen. I've seen a helicopter go down. Or. Yeah. Well, you have to be and, careful. And, and it's not going to glide down. Well, it's called auto-rotation. You have to be careful <laughs> when you go down and you have to break the glide just yeah. right and then land. And that's part of the training and that's part of the check rides. That's, that's a pretty uh, intensive check ride when you do that. Well, you know he did sell it. Yeah. <laughs> Some time ago. Yeah. And then, and just recently, one of my old buddies, uh, uh, Greg and Mitchrett, uh, they are in Hawaii right now, uh, and, and and bless their hearts, they went over to Pearl Harbor and uh, uh, yeah. visited the Arizona and, and and things like that. And I've got pictures of of what they've been doing, but I was pretty upset and scared because uh, I think about the time they got there, there's a helicopter went down, and and a few people and part of the blades or some type of however it's constructed broke loose oh and it went down like a rock uh, from what i can understand yeah. and a couple of the people i i think they were maybe the national guard or something like that over there where they were in a training session oh okay yeah how's steve doing doing fine last time I talked to him he's doing great enjoying the weather down there was it has he been out scrubbing on the deck or <laughs> he, he, the thing about uh steve he's both the captain of the ship and and, and one of the workers yeah over there it's well, yeah. and he, he says he absolutely loves it he does yeah is that the truth have you been on his ship yet i have yeah tell me about it well i don't remember it's been so long <laughs> <laughs> been a couple of years yeah but it's, it's nice I miss seeing him, and Steve was one of those people. He made a major impact on Rutherford County he did. while he was here. And uh, uh, people don't realize that he's the one that actually started 911 in Rutherford County and was uh, part of the 911 uh, management group that kept all of us safe over the years. That's right. And I still miss him. Yeah. Uh now, doesn't he have a building named after him? Oh, I'd say the is the nine one one building named after him. I don't know. 
I think he needs one. I yeah. was thinking that, that, yeah. that maybe they did. See, I've, I've uh-huh. been gone from it for what, uh-huh. 11 years or something like that. But uh, he was pretty special, and that is one of the uh, best things that the voters in Rutherford County ever did is they put that in place. Yeah, people don't realize that's no government money. That comes from your... What is it? Fifty cents a month on your telephone bill. Fifty cents a month, and that's what it started out as. Yeah. After all these years, it's still fifty cents a month. And they're very solvent. They have money in the bank. They're not worrying about uh, going and uh, having to raise their rates or anything like that. You work directly with the the citizens in our county, the taxpayers, and and it's going to be successful every time. And you answer to the board, and uh, yeah, Steve Smith. I think he's retiring. Uh, he's in June. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a great job. And it just goes to show you the next one that we put in there needs to be named Steve also. That's right. Three, three Steve. <laughs> one name the building, the Steve building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll work perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. I, oh. I enjoy being with you. Well. And uh, you be safe uh, leaving here. Okay. And, uh, and uh, don't go swimming. I hate to see you go, but uh, uh, retiring at your age? What are you going to do all day? <laughs> oh, uh, um, take pain medicine <laughs> like everybody else that gets my age. It, 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 it's amazing, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it, I, I, I couldn't live in a place other than Rutherford County. It's my favorite place in the whole world. How many years have you been doing this? 11. Who's going to take your place? Uh, they are interviewing some people over at the, uh, uh, that are incarcerated at the jail right now. <laughs> and I, th- I think they'll find somebody that could probably do a whole lot better job than me. It worked so for but, but they won't ever find anybody that has more fun at it th- than right. I have. So but, you, ha- you have to be a convicted felon to take your place? Though? Yes, yes. <laughs> it worked for us once. Why not try it again, you know? See, Brian, I knew I knew he was waiting. He he couldn't. That's right. <laughs> but uh, uh, the question is, you know, Brian is going to retire. Mm. No. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a what you call a forced retirement. And, oh. And, and, and yeah, he's going to retire. He's going to go back to to uh, radio school, and probably in. Five or six years, he'll be back on top of his game. Okay. Well, Thank what about you, Bart? Maybe Bart could take your take this. That'll give him two hours a day, won't it? <laughs> now, yeah, you tell him. Hey, Bart. Right, right now, he's he's exiting off your name to ever be back on again. Bless his heart. You you you've got to be a target to be on a radio show. You can't just be. Uh, uh, one of these people that uh, talks to individuals or whatever. Right. You've got to be a target. And I've been a target for 11 years, and now I, I can go home in peace and just kind of let yeah. the world go by. There you go. Like, I walked into the donut cottage one day. A friend of mine was there ordering, and I opened the door, and the lady behind the counter said, you retired? What do you do all day? <laughs> and I had to go sit down. I was laughing so hard because he was going, well, uh, well, uh, well. Uh. <laughs> well, 
what do you do all day, Larry? I didn't even think about that. Whatever you want to. (laughs) (laughs) The trouble with retiring, and I knew this before I made the decision, is you have too much time to think. Oh, okay. And and, and that's the truth. When you have time to think, nothing good's ever come up. It's always about the bad stuff and things like that. And at my age, you have a lot of friends that are having health problems. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and uh, that that's not a good thing because you 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 don't ever want to see anybody go. You, you just want yeah. to stay here. But a lot of times that's the best thing that can happen to you. So yeah, I, I, I uh, Jackie's up there waiting on me. So she's got a lot of th- uh, things that that she wants to talk to me about. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them are things I've done wrong since she's been gone. <laughs> Well, let's end the show. All right. Brian up there. Will do. We'll see you. From NAC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.